Welcome to Clets Heads, the podcast about bilingual children. My name is Sharon Onsworth, linguist at Radboud University in Nijmegen, the Netherlands, a mother of two bilingual children. In this first episode of Clets Heads in English, we talk about family language planning, so all the things you need to think about when you're raising your child bilingually, from before the birth to going to school and beyond. We hear from two brothers about what they think about being bilingual and from a father of four about family life with four languages. On with the podcast. When I was pregnant with our first child, my husband and I were confronted with the question of what language we were going to use once the baby arrived. I'm a native speaker of English and a fluent speaker of Dutch. He's a native speaker of Dutch and a fluent speaker of English. Even though we're both linguists by profession, It took us some time to decide what we'd do. And the answer to this question was perhaps surprisingly not immediately clear. Many parents-to-be face difficult choices when it comes to which language they want to speak with a child. You can't choose who you fall in love with. While arguably you do need to have at least one language in common to fall in love at all, the fact that you both have different native languages may not even be something you really think about until the question of having a family comes along. Expecting a baby is both an exciting and daunting time. As well as the physical upheaval for the mum-to-be, there's so much to decide. Who will care for baby and when? Which name will you choose? And then there's the real challenge of deciding which of the hundreds of baby products on offer you actually really need. The question of which language you're going to use is often not one that even gets asked. In this episode of Kletzheads, the first we're releasing that's completely in English. I talked to Eowyn Crisfield about how to tackle the sometimes difficult task of planning for a bilingual child. This is an episode which we've already released in Dutch, episode number nine. So if you're one of our regular listeners, you'll recognise the content. Eowyn is an expert in bilingual education and parenting. She's originally from Canada, has lived in the Netherlands and recently moved to the UK with her husband and three trilingual children, where she now works as a lecturer at Oxford Brookes University, as well as running her own consultancy. Our conversation took place online. I started by asking her whether it really is necessary to start planning for your child's bilingual future before they've even been born. If you have a complicated family language situation, the earlier you start planning, the better, essentially, because what you provide for your for your baby in those first six to 12 months are really, really seminal for their language development. And so if there's a language that's important to you and you decide not to use it right away, you may be kind of losing one of the best windows you have. Also, I think it's good to think about it early just because it helps avoid some of the common problems that that people run into along the way. If you know where you're going, um, you're less likely to end up needing help because something went wrong. Yeah. And what what do you mean by common problems? I think that, you know, parents underestimate how, how challenging it can be to raise a child bilingually. And so they very often think, well, it's just as easy if I just speak my language to my child, everything will be fine. Um, and, and very often it's not fine. You know, there are issues with language balance and how much input children get and the associated status of the languages that help children decide if they want to use it or not. Yeah. Um, and even family issues, we always presume that the other parent will be on the same page as us. And, and sometimes that's just not the case. I met a family in the Netherlands. The, um, the mother was from Colombia 
and uh, the father was from the Netherlands and the, her, her, her Dutch in-laws were perfectly happy to have a Spanish-speaking daughter-in-law, but were quite horrified at the idea of having Spanish-speaking grandchildren. Um, and they'd right. never talked about it until after the children were born and it became a really big issue. So talk about it as soon as you can, basically. Talk about it, uh, talk about it even better before you're married. <laughs> okay, well, we'll assume baby's on the way or, or is even already here, I think, uh, for this uh, episode. So I know that you've, uh, in your work, you help families come up with a family language plan. What, what is that exactly, a family language plan? So a family language plan starts with, you know, the idea that you need to set goals for languages to think about what you want your kids to be able to do with them and then to plan for that. So, you know, if you want your child to be able to go to university in a particular language that isn't the language of schooling where you live, that takes quite a lot of time and effort to put into fluency to that level. And so the goal setting with, you know, with both parents, what are the languages in our family? What are our goals? Is it a communicative goal or a literacy goal? Um, helps you decide then how much input the children need in those languages, what kind of input they need. Do they need to learn to read and write? And if they do and that doesn't happen at school, how and when is that going to happen? Um, and so, you know, a family language plan is a, it's a flexible document, but essentially you start with what where we'd like to end up with our kids and then you make sure that what you're doing along the way has a good chance of getting you there. I mean, with lots of families who... You know, their, their children are 12 or 13 or 14 and have no literacy in one of their languages and they have to go back to their home country yeah. where that language is used. And, and that's a really bad position to be in. And so it's kind of about forward thinking and then adjusting as you go, as your life changes. You know, many of our listeners already have bilingual children. Is it too late to, to come up with a family language plan? I think it's never too late to make a family language plan, but what you can end up planning for will be different the later you start. And so trying to go back and, you know, fix things that have already been done is much more difficult than setting off on a, the path that you intend to, to get to at the beginning. Right. And presumably this is really something, you know, that everybody should be talking about in the family. It's not just the, the person who speaks the other language, as it were. No, certainly not. A, a family language plan is a collaborative, it's a collaborative document between both parents and both parents have to be aware of and having conversations with other people who are involved in their family language plan and also with the children who are also right. involved in the family language plan. Right. So as you get old, as the kids get older, then you should be talking to them about, like really talking about their bilingualism. Absolutely. And I say, yeah, get older. I mean, by the time they're two, you should be talking about it at an age appropriate level. Um, you know, the conversation will change as the children get older. But having that family language discussion going from the beginning means that the children are taken by surprise. How do you talk to a two year old about being bilingual? Um, I think parent. I think actually parents tend to do that naturally already really well when, you know, when the parent, when the baby or the small child uses a word in the other parent's language, they say, oh, that's daddy's word for cheese. What's mommy's word for cheese? And that's the beginning of your, you know, your family language discussion. We tend to stop talking about it as they get older because we presume that they just know that they have two languages or three or four and that that's the reality. But the older they get, the more important it gets to engage them in conversations about why they have multiple languages and what's the importance of them and particularly why one parent speaks the other parent's language but not right. the reverse you know those kinds of situations the more you talk about them the less the children infer for themselves what they think is going on in their family 
If you speak another language than your partner and you want your child to grow up bilingually, then it's important to talk about this as early as possible. Together with your partner, make a family language plan. So think about what goals you have with your child's languages and what you and your child need to be able to achieve those goals. This family language plan is something that everyone in the family should work on, including the children as they get older. It's also something dynamic, so things can and will change. More on this later. Having a family language plan is then really a, one of the things that will help you raise bilingual children successfully. On your blog, which I love, by the way, uh, on raisingbilingualchildren.com, we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, so you write that uh, one of the, your most popular workshops for parents is, is called Raising Bilingual Children, Six Building Blocks for Success. So maybe you can tell us a bit more about these uh, building blocks. So we've already talked about a couple of them in passing. The first is to know some theory. And I think that that something parents underestimate how much they might need to know about bilingualism to get there successfully. And, you know, you referenced it yourself as a linguist married to another linguist. You weren't even sure what you should do. And I think parents often go in thinking that, you know, intuition is enough or that they'll figure it out when they get there or if they have a problem, they'll decide. But the more you know about what you're doing, the better you can make a plan. Uh, the second step is to set your goals for your children. And the third is to make your plan. And again, the plan is a dynamic document. You, you may not and probably will not stick with your first plan. But as your life changes, as your goals change, your plan has to change too. The fourth is to talk to your children, to have those family language conversations right. on an age appropriate level, but ongoing. The fifth is to talk to other key people in your lives. Um, I like to say that the parents are the architect of the family language plan, but there are lots of other people involved in help building our children's, build our children's bilingual ability. And they need to know what their job is. They need to know that, you know, for the grandparents, please don't use any English with them. You are the only Portuguese they get. Or, you know, for the if you hire a babysitter and you want them to pass on a language, be clear with them. This is part of your job. Um, and so those kinds of discussions are really important. And the sixth step is to know when to get help. And that's really about if you understand the principles of bilingual development, you know that being bilingual doesn't cause a speech and language delay and doesn't cause special educational needs. So if you're concerned about your child or if someone else is saying, oh, they're delayed because they're bilingual, you need to know how to find the right professional help you know, who will consider your child's from a bilingual perspective rather than from a monolingual. So to recap then, Eowyn's six building blocks of success are one, make sure you know something about the theory of bilingual language development. She explains in a minute what she means by this. It's much less scary or complicated than it sounds. Number two, set goals for your children. Number three, make a plan. Four, talk to your children about this plan. And five, also talk to other key people in your child's life, such as grandparents, teachers or the babysitter. And six, know when you need help. Eowyn was just talking about how important it is to talk to someone if you think your child may have language problems, that it's important that this person also has a good understanding of bilingualism. If you want to know more about this topic and you understand Dutch, then listen to episode four of Kletzheads where we talk to speech-language therapist and researcher Miriam Blumenthal about how to know when a bilingual child has a language impairment. Right now, it's back to where you in. 
think some people might be a bit scared by the, the idea of knowing something about the theory. Can you say a bit more about what, what exactly you mean by that? I think that it's just about you know, knowing the basic principles, knowing that children can become successfully bilingual in all kinds of circumstances, knowing that being bilingual doesn't cause children to start speaking later. That's one of the biggest myths out there. Um, And, you know, you don't have to invest in a whole library of books about bilingualism. There's a lot of good available information online. There's a lot of bad available information online as well. So if you're looking online, you have to look at where this, what the source is. There are some really good basic books. I always refer to um, Colin Baker's A Parents and Teacher's Guide to bilingualism yeah. because it's question answer you don't have to commit to reading the whole book you know families never come to me because it's going well so right. I need all the families who are looking for help because they you know they're they're not getting where they want to a lot of the time it's because somebody has given them bad information and bad advice um, and, and they believe them and so they did things that have led to an unsuccessful bilingual situation it's an unfortunate fact that pediatricians, child nurses, daycare workers, primary school teachers, speech and language therapists, none of them have standard training on bilingual development. And so parents need to have some conviction that what they're doing is okay so that they don't take somebody else's bad advice and end up with children who aren't linguistically where they want them to be. Right. Know at least the basics. Know at least the basics. So when the consultative bureau says to you three languages is too many, you can say with conviction, actually, no, it's not. And this is why. Okay, so now we're going to listen to our Clet's uh, Head from the week. Clet's Head of the Week. In every episode of Clet's Heads, we talk to a bilingual child about what it's like to grow up with two or more languages. In this episode, we have two Clet's Heads of the Week, brothers Quinn and Aidan. My name is Quinn. Uh, I am 11 years old, and the language I, languages I speak are English and Dutch. And what's it like to have two languages in your head? Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It doesn't feel confusing. It does or it doesn't? does not. does not. Oh, that's good, because it would be horrible to be confused all the time, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And what do you, what do you like about it, being bilingual? Um... Well, at school, that most assignments you don't need to make, and <laughs> uh, English, and well, when I go to America, I can speak the language there. And do you go to America often? Uh, once a year. Are there things that are less nice about being bilingual? What's the worst thing about it? No, not not any things are bad actually. Everything is well, good. That's good to hear. And when you're uh, older, what languages do you think you'll be able to speak then? French, German, English, and Dutch, I think. Would you like to learn other languages? No, but you learn a bit at the high school and at the university, I think. Do you think it'll be easier to learn other languages because you already know two? Well, I don't think it would be easy. It helps. What what do you think will help? That I only need to learn two more languages then. And with English, I can do more homework then. Aha. You have more time left. Yeah. Do you like it but speaking English? Or do you sometimes find it a bit hard? Um, yeah, sometimes it's a bit hard. But, yeah, for the rest, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter? What's hard about it? Well, like, really sometimes I have that. Uh, I mess a word up with Dutch and then I say that. And then they don't get me. Aha. Uh-huh. So you can't quite remember the right word. Yeah. 
yeah I have that sometimes too in Dutch what word would you teach somebody what's a hard word to say in Dutch um something with a yeah my name is Aiden I speak Dutch and English and I'm eight years old and who do you speak English with with my grandparents in America and how come you speak English because my mother told me because she's American. She's American, so she speaks English to you? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do you like being able to speak and understand English? Uh, yeah. What What do you like about it? Because I like to uh, speak uh, other language than not only speak in Dutch. What's the best thing about being bilingual? It's just fun. Is there anything that you don't like about it? No. Nothing at all? No. No? Do you think when you're older, do you think you'll have children? Uh, I think so. Yeah. What language will you speak with them? I think English or Dutch. Which one do you think? Uh, Dutch. Dutch? Why? Because uh, I don't know or I'm going to marry with an English woman. You don't know if you're going to marry an English woman? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know that already, right? Yeah. Yeah. You've got two cats, right? Yeah. What What language do you speak to the cats? English. English. So, so are they bilingual then? Yeah. Do they speak any other languages? They are Norpolian, so they could speak Norpol. Uh, ah, Nepalese. Aha, very good. It turns out that this is not what Aidan meant. I thought that his cats were some fancy breed and he was trying to say that they were from Nepal. His mum told me afterwards that the cats were in fact a gift from Santa and so what he actually said was that they were from the North Pole and as such spoke North Polian. Now I'm sure we can forgive Aidan for not knowing that the language he's most likely referring to is called Sami. Hopefully he can forgive me for getting my North Polian mixed up with my Nepalese. Have you got a favourite word in English? Uh, yes. What is it? Appropriate. Appropriate? That's a complicated word. Why is that your favourite word? Because I like it, because it's a hard word. It is a hard word. It yeah. definitely is. Do you know what it means? Yeah, that you uh-huh. are sort of nice. Yeah. Like if you behave appropriately. Yeah. And do you always behave, behave appropriately? Not always. <laughs> Not always, really. We've spoken already, Eowyn, about the, the your six building blocks uh, for success. So how to raise a bilingual child more generally. Perhaps we can talk a bit more about advice you might give in particular situations that parents are uh, faced with as they think about how they're going to tackle this issue. For example, if you have, you know, one parent uh, speaks a language, let's say, other, other than Dutch, let's say Spanish, the Dutch-speaking parent also speaks Spanish, but not as a native speaker, what would you recommend? Would you always recommend sticking to your native language? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think that actually one of the one of the kind of the biggest m- misleading bits of information on the internet is that one parent, one language, or the Opal approach is the best way for success. 
Right. And so a family like that would automatically think, oh, well, one parent, one language, and our child will be bilingual English, uh, Dutch and Spanish. But in fact, it's really about the amount of input that children get in each of their languages. And so a child with a Dutch parent going to Dutch creche and Dutch school and having Dutch family and living in the Netherlands with one parent speaking Spanish doesn't have a very good chance of fully developing in Spanish. Whereas if the other parent commits to using Spanish as well, they'll get a lot more input in Spanish. And so I think if um, you know the non-native speaking parent is comfortable with it, at least carving out certain times of day or certain days of the week when everybody uses the minority language together gives the children a much better chance for success. Right. So that that's actually what we decided to do in our family. So my husband decided of his own accord, not everybody believes that, but of his own accord, he decided he would speak English to our children. He felt that he could do that quite comfortably. And I can really see that that has helped because they still speak English to each other. They enjoy speaking English. Sometimes when I tell people about this, I get a bit of a you know raised eyebrow like, really? You're having a non-native speaker speaking uh, their language to their child where, you know, when you talk to uh, non-native speakers of Dutch, we often say as experts, don't speak Dutch to your children if you're not a non-native speaker. It's not about the native non-native paradigm. It's about comfort and fluency. Right. Um, and, and it's also about the situation. And so if you are comfortable, like I spoke to my kids in French, I'm not a native French speaker, but I happen to be a fluent French speaker and I really wanted them to have that. But I needed to be sure that, you know, my French was comfortable enough to, to do that. And that it does take quite a high level to be able to to have a conversation with a two-year-old in a language that you're not native in is fine. To have a conversation with a nine-year-old is different and with a 16-year-old. And so you have to think about, you know, as your kids grow up, is your level of language going to be able to meet them? The other issue with not telling parents to speak Dutch to their kids, for example, in the Netherlands, is because very often that advice is given as a way to prioritize Dutch and to sideline a minority language and so it's also about again always it always goes back to input if you speaking dutch with your children means they don't get enough input in english then that's not the right thing to do your husband speaking english to your kids does not mean they're not going to get enough input in dutch so it's right. it's a fine thing to do and so it's more complex than just the native speaker non-native speaker question it's also always back to are they going to get enough input to meet the goals that you've set for them and how are you going to get there Let's let In this part of the podcast, we hear from a parent or professional about their experiences with bilingual children. We start with the inspiring story of Desu, father of four multilingual children with four different languages in the mix. Sound complicated? After listening to Desu, you'll think it's the most natural thing in the world. Our conversation was recorded at the Kletzkoppen Child Language Festival here in Nijmegen, hence the background noise. I am Desu. Uh, I was born uh, in Ethiopia. Yeah. And uh, I came to the Netherlands 13 years ago uh, to study. Uh huh. Yeah. And I see you've got a little boy or a girl on uh, your lap. A boy. A boy. And which language do you speak to your little boy? I speak to him Amharic. This is my uh, my mother tongue yeah. uh, from Ethiopia. Yeah. Uh, and his mom speaks to him in Italian. In Italian. Yeah. Uh, she's half Italian, half Italian, and half Croatian. Oh wow. Yeah. So so he hears Italian from her and Amharic from you. Yes. And which language do you speak to each other? Uh, we speak English to each other. Right. Uh, 
and he has two brothers, half brothers. Yeah. Uh, they speak also Dutch. Okay. Uh, so they speak to him in Dutch. One of them speak to him in Dutch. The other one speak to him in Italian. And he hears us also talking in English. So okay. he's exposed for four languages. To four languages. Wow. Yes. And how old is he? Because he's quite young, right? He's uh, two years and four months. Okay. Yes, it's amazing. He can switch quickly. Uh, when he speaks to me, he uses my mother tongue. Yeah. And when he speaks to Nelly, Italian, with his brothers, Dutch or Italian, depending on uh, the situation. How does that feel for you to see that? I'm amazed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprised? Yeah, and I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. I can He's imagine. He's exposed, uh, you know, to a number of languages, yeah. not only languages but also cultures. Yeah. yeah. So you see, so for you, it's not just being able to speak the languages, also the culture as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 What kind of things do you think about when you think about exposing them to their culture? Uh, yeah, for me, uh, especially uh, with Nali, we decided to speak our own uh, mother tongue to the children because we uh, understood uh, getting emotionally connected is most important than uh -huh. teaching them, you know, the grammar or the vocabulary of a language. Right. So that was essential. Uh, then we. Uh, then we speak to them our mother tongue. Yeah. And do you um, understand Italian? Yes, I do. And does, uh, your, does your partner understand Amharic? A bit. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that's not, well, uh, Do you ever find that a problem? Because a lot of parents ask me about this situation, right, where they don't necessarily understand each other's language that well and they're worried that somebody will feel left out. Is that something that you experience? Um, I think it's your expectation. So first uh, we understood we have very diverse background and we cannot pick up everything at a time. Yeah. But we were open enough to learn and we, under, we understood also it takes time. Right. Uh, and I don't really speak Italian but now I understand what the conversation is about. Right. And uh, Nelly is also picking up very fast. She's much better in languages. Uh -huh. than me uh -huh. so so it's kind of part of the deal yes yeah. yes yes uh, what do you worry about for your children in terms of the languages is there anything that worries you about them they being multilingual no it's an opportunity yeah they they, they will understand uh, the culture and the perspective of uh, different societies yeah I think that's a blessing. Yeah, I agree uh, yeah. completely. <laughs> and, um, and what do you hope for them when he's 20? What languages does he speak? Um, I don't know. Maybe I, my, my feeling is I, I, I don't care about that much because it is his choice. Yeah. But I think he will have uh, a big heart. <laughs> uh, he will have uh, the understanding of many cultures, many people, perspectives, and uh, I think he will serve as a bridge okay. for society. Uh, Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you ever so much. It's been a lovely conversation to have with you. Let's get! In a situation like the one described here by Desu, both parents speak different languages with the children and a third language amongst themselves, often English. This kind of situation 
is much more common than you might think. I asked Eowyn what advice she gives parents in such cases. I've worked with many, 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 many families like that, especially in the Netherlands. It tends to be the most common paradigm of bilingual families and the expat community, certainly. Um, and there is no one right answer. Some families feel very strongly that they need to have a common language right. between the parents and with the children. And so they will prioritize English even when the kids are young, even though it's not a part of the family you know, background. Other parents are happier to accept kind of dynamic multilingual conversations when the kids are young where the dad speaks in Russian to them and they say something to the mom in Portuguese and the mom says something back in Portuguese and then the mom says something to the dad in English and, and that can work and it does work if the family's comfortable with it um, and so it's really again about goal setting what do you want for each of your languages kind of ballpark how much input is going to be required to get there. And is there space then for introducing English in other ways? And so a lot of times, you know, the expat families in the Netherlands who are like that would choose for English language crash um, or uh, play school because that was a way for their child to get English and still have the input in each of the parental languages. And so again, it's about the, the planning aspect. It's not just the parents. You have other times in the day when the kids are with other people who can be tasked to develop a third language or a fourth that doesn't then impinge on the, the parents using their own languages at home. So um, you talk about raising bilingual children as both a, a gift and a responsibility. What do, what do you mean by that? Well, I think that, you know, for any child, the ability to have two, you know, two or three or four languages from a young age is really beneficial on many levels. We know that it's beneficial linguistically. We know that there's a growing body of research that's beneficial socially. The research, the jury is out on cognitively. Um, but, you know, there are lots of reasons why it's good or better for children to be raised with more than one language. But it's a responsibility to to get it right, because I have met over my time doing this families with children who didn't have a language that they could use properly right. simply because the planning hadn't happened and the parents had jumped around between languages and countries so much that the child never had a chance to develop fully in any language. And so th those are children who are kind of academically compromised. And so I think that the responsibility of the parents is if you've made the decision to raise your child bilingually, either like you did by accidentally marrying someone who speaks another language mm -hmm. or by putting them in another language schooling, that your responsibility is to do your best to get it right. Right. And you've been doing this for many years now, right? So I think about 15 years or so working with many different organizations, schools, families all around the world. W would you say that the advice you've given has, has changed over the years? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, certainly very early on, we were still quite convinced about the cognitive benefits of being bilingual. And that was always a big selling point for the parents. Oh, you know, my child, will, their executive function will be better or their decision making ability will be better. And I think right. there's been a recent renewal of interest in other aspects of the cognitive um, benefits debate that shows us that actually we don't know those things for sure. And so in parent sessions now, I don't even really mention them except to say, if you're hoping it'll make your child smarter, that's probably not the case. And so that's changed. Um, I think my advice about language mixing has changed. I think we've come from a position where, you know, we used to say, you should only ever speak your language with your child or it will confuse them to realizing that actually it's not confusing for children to hear more than one language from the same person. And I think right. even way back in the beyond when I was first doing this, there used to be kind of a common understanding that bilingual children 
you know, commonly started to talk later than monolingual children. And we know now that that's not the case. And so as, you know, as, as a researcher, I think that it's up to me to make sure that I'm keeping up with research in the field to make sure that the advice that I give people is to the best of our knowledge right now and not based on something that I read 10 years ago. Right, exactly. And also at the same time, acknowledging that uh, as uh, science progresses, then what we know about bilingualism changes. And so our advice might change. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Definitely. Uh, I've got one last question for you. you. So as a parent, do you always follow the advice that you give others? No. <laughs> um, I and, and I talk about this in my parent sessions as well. And I think one of the one of the reasons that that session is as popular as it is, is because it, it, you know, it's my knowledge as a researcher, but also my understanding as somebody who's tr been trying for 17 years to raise three children with three languages and what I've learned along the way. Um, you know, I wasn't consistent enough with my twins when they were little in French, simply because everybody around them was speaking Dutch or English. And well, when you have twins, you're not consistent with much. Right. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they didn't get enough of that early input, I think, to feel as comfortable with the language as my older daughter did. A lot of the things that I tell parents to do are what is best practice tempered by what I know about is reality right. in multilingual families and the complexities that come with that. Right. Is there anything that you wish you'd done differently? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, I do wish I'd been more consistent in my use of French with my twins. Um, they struggle with me using French with them now just because it's not as natural for them. Right. Um, and so if I could turn the clock back, uh, and, and pay more attention to that, I probably would. But at the time, with so much going on with three young kids and no family and nobody else speaking French around, it was a fairly easy thing to let go of. Um, and we also made different educational decisions for them. My older daughter went to the French school almost to the end of primary. And so she is also, you know, beautifully balanced for what that means bilingual. Um, but the school that they were at, I knew would not be a good fit for my twins educationally. And so I moved them to an English language school after three years in French. It was the right choice for them in terms of, you know, so many other things. And so I think sometimes as parents, we need to recognize that our children's bilingualism isn't the only thing that we're planning for. It's one of the things. And that if there's a conflict between their well-being and their languages, we need to look at that critically and make the right decision for the child rather than for our own personal aspirations for them in terms of language. If you want to know more about Kletzheads, go to kletzheadspodcast.org. That's where you'll also find more information about this episode. And if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to Kletzheads using your favourite podcast app. Make sure you select the English edition. And if you've enjoyed the show, why not share it with a friend? Thanks for listening. And as we say in Dutch, tot het volgende keer.